Are you talking to me? Ah, <laughs> duh, of course you are. Everybody knows me. I'm Mia Brightwood. Now, get ready because some mysterious voice will appear and tell you all what happened last time on The Incorrigible Party. The party leaves Drukal and heads for the nearly constructed tower just outside the city limits. To find the surrounding area turned into a large paladin encampment as Samuel's forces have been arriving from across Aspara. Drawn to an airship that is being offloaded, they're reunited with Captain Grimby Chum, who points them in the direction of the quartermaster, where the party can get any additional supplies that they may need. Who wants to place bets? Platinum pieces only that I will land the killing blow. You know I'm good for it. Let's continue our adventure. The party minus Shakara. Uh, you are walking through the encampments on your way to see the quartermaster. And again, there, there's all this activity uh, in, in the middle, in the camp, right? And the airships was on kind of the, the outskirts. So it's going to take you, a, a, you know, upwards of 10 or 15 minutes to walk into like the center of camp. Like I said, this like this encampment has has grown to nearly two square miles, right? It, it, there's there's like thousands of of paladins here, which you're you're getting more of a scope of it too, just as you're as you're walking through. And uh, you know, as you're walking, you're, you you kind of notice like you're you're behind two paladins uh, that are pushing a, a small cart each. They're both loaded up up with crates. Uh, also moving towards the center the camp, which is towards the tower, uh, which is also the same direction that, that Grimby had directed you to go to find Quartermaster Catherby. So after about 10, 15 minutes uh, of, of walking, which of course, I mean, obviously you're, you're free to chat, which you've done a little bit uh, after since leaving the boat, but I'm not sure if there's any additional conversations any of you would want to have on the way. So this this cart that we see that it's is out of the ordinary. This cart? No, it just it just it's two paladins again. They they're wearing like uh, one of them is in in leather armor. One of them is actually just in in uh, a robe, more of like a like a not like a wizard's robe, but like a sparring robe kind of thing. Uh, they both of which have the uh, the paladin occultist symbol on them, and they're pushing what look like crates similar to what was being offloaded uh, from the Rising Four, right? Just supply crates that they're taking in the same direction that you were pointed to towards the, the store tent, right? Yeah, and then none of these, I think you said before, none of these crates have any markings on them that sort of say what's in them. No, they don't. It, it does look like there it does look like there are a, uh, a number, like a varying uh, different types of crates, um, but other than that there's nothing else that would discern any types of differences between between the cargo, basically, is what it is, right? Okay. So as we're walking along, looking out and at the paladins, do we see anything odd? Like we don't see any of these mechanical beasts with them that you know maybe not delivered in crates, but already out and that we've seen around the towers prior. You do not see any constructs. If you recall from the battle that you had successfully helped fend off uh, the tower when there was very minimal staffing here. Uh, not many of the constructs that were already here did make it through. Just the oaken bolters and the uh, stone guardians, uh, I believe they are called. The, the, you know, the big guys with the shields that kind of blended into the stone tower itself. And, you know, from where the, the, the launchers, the bolt launchers were positioned on the tower, like, you can't see them up there currently, either. Do we see any other large, like, equipment or anything that would be, you know, like catapults or big, you know, siege equipment or anything like that? Or are we just looking at tents and soldiers? It does look like just tents and soldiers. Fairly uniformly set up tents. You know, again, there are, there are varying sizes, um, many of which do, ha like, are, like, labeled in some kind of way. You know, just they're not just, like... An assortment of, of random tents set up with no, you know, completely disorganized. So, you know, you you walk by, uh, you know, like a, what looks like a, like a field hospital and what serves as just like tent, like living quarters throughout your journey, right? And obviously different 
functions for these buildings is going to span the whole camp. Like you're walking through the middle of a, a square, essentially, right? Think of it like a giant square. So you're seeing bits and pieces of some of the functional operations of the encampment itself. Do any of the other paladins have uh, circlets, or does it seem to be something that's special? The paladins here near the center of the encampment do not appear to be wearing circlets. Mia would like to keep an eye out um, when she's just, you know, walking, looking through the crowds of people for Silas, Lance, or Hannigan. And if she sees them, she would greet them and, you know, like, say, blessings from Thor, something. (laughs) Sure, sure. On the note of the circlets, while on the Rising Four, you did notice that the, it seemed like the crew of the Rising were already equipped with circlets. Uh, Although even some of the the paladins that were, uh, some of them that were offloading did not. Mm, The haves and the have-nots. Well, I would say you also know that, you know, the Rising Four came directly from Heraklion, which is the source of the circlets, right? I mean, they're they're bringing what, as many as Tinnerman and you could assume, additional aid from the paladins themselves in constructing some of these circlets to outfit, you know, like a garrison of like two or 2,000 soldiers, right? So that's what I'll, I'll sort of look over at Falzron and me and go, nobody's wearing circlets. They must be shipping them in from Heraklion. They can't go into battle with any Neogi unless they have protection. They would they just turn on each other. I'm surprised that more of them don't have circlets. Uh, I'm assuming that you know, we go up and see Kathy here, and she's going to give us a lowdown on it. You're not supposed to call her Kathy, remember? Ah, whatever. Let's, well, like, just don't get in the habit. Oh, okay, Quartermaster Cather B. Yes, there you go. I won't I won't remember that. Anyway, they're, they're going to, I mean, Sammy's supposed to send them into battle, right? I mean, he's, these guys, and I start of look around, they're all going to kill the Neogi up in the mountains. Maybe it, it's, maybe they're just not able to produce them quickly enough and perhaps more will be coming with Coltus when he arrives? I don't know. I mean, the ship just landed, so let's see what they end up unloading from these boxes, eh? Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. I'm just trying to get the lay of the land here. I guess they're all going to get on the boats and head up into the mountains and take care of business. Seems to be the plan. I mean, we're heading up there too, right? To go find the rest of the armor? Unless he doesn't plan to send all of these troops up there. I don't know. Maybe they're going to come with us for protection. I don't know. Hmm. Well, like Shaft says, the issue with having people without circlets for protection is that they can quickly become enemies. No one said they don't have circlets. There's tons of boxes coming off these ships. No, no, I know. I I think you're probably right. There, there must be plans for more circlets if Coltus is planning to send all of these troops into battle against the Neogi. It would be madness to send them without protection. I also don't see any of those constructs, those mechanical things. Oh, yeah. Those things were... I would be pretty handy in a fight, wouldn't they? Well, I mean, Titterman. I presume they would be protected from the Neogi's mind-controlling abilities. Yeah, I think they would be really useful. Maybe it's good we didn't kill Titterman. Yeah, that's going to be interesting when he shows up, isn't it? I get, Yeah, I think so. Last time I saw him, I think I put an arrow in him. Yeah, and that mechanical dragon almost killed me. Yeah, I guess we could just say, let bygones be bygones, right? Well, yes, yeah. Because, I mean, For you, now. you were the one to almost kill me. Well, water under the bridge, I'm sure, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. always, yeah. So we're sort of following along this wagon, is it, and just to see, because I think we're making the assumption that this thing's full of cargo, that uh, potentially is circlets. Okay, and uh, you you eventually come upon like the largest tent that you've seen by far in the encampment, and it's very close to the the you know constructed tower uh, as well. So you're you're like right in in the center of of camp. Uh, but this is more like a series of, of tents, like, patched together to cover a much larger, roughly square-shaped area. The, the walls of it kind of slant up at, at a sharp angle before they start to level off and then sag in between, like, four protruding high points. 
that are clearly like like propping up the roof of, of this canopy, basically. And it looks to stand about 20 feet tall or so. Uh, so there's would be a lot of room inside of this tent. And as you circumnavigated the still trailing behind those two carts, you can see the outline of, of like crates pushed against the tent walls that, that are like stacked up inside of it. Is there anybody outside the entrance to this large tent? So once you get to kind of the, the end of it, so the way you're walking, so you put the tower on your right-hand side. One of the lengths of this storage tent on your left, and then you're going to come to the end of that and take a left to the side that has the an opening in it. And again, you, you, you kind of round this corner and you do see a, a woman standing out uh, outside of the tent flaps. She looks to be a, she's a short, kind of plain-looking woman. She's got dark brown hair and uh, freckles kind of all over cheeks and, and nose. Wearing a set of, of robes. And uh, she does have a, the paladin symbol on, on her clothing. But it looks like it's varied slightly. So there's two swords that cross to form an X in front of the normal like tower, which is the, the paladin insignia. Clearly denoting some differing type of, of rank or, or position. And she basically kind of, as the carts approach her, holds the flap open and they kind of roll the carts in. And she closes up behind them, lets it fall closed, and steps kind of back in front of, of uh, the opening. Okay, I guess we'll walk up, and I'll walk up to her and go, uh, Yeah, hail Samuel and all. Uh, uh, we're here to see uh, Quartermaster Scatherby. Yeah, hi, I'm Mia. Mia Brightwood. Uh, this is my brother, Braun. This is Shaft. This is Falzerin. We need some circlets. I am the Quartermaster. We have no circlets. Um, I was told this is where we go to get them? Yeah. We have no circlets. Hmm. Are you expecting some? There will be no circlets. Well, that doesn't sound like a good plan. No circlets for anyone? Not even... Yeah, I'm really confused. Sally told us, like, this is... This is a deal we have worked out with her. We're gonna get one for my brother. We're gonna... We only really need two right at the moment. We have no circlets. Well, can you say anything else? I can say many things. Listen, Catherby. Can I call you Catherby? Or is Kathy fine? My name is Catherby. Catherby, okay. Uh, Samuel sort of sent us, you know, and he's supposed to be arriving here soon. We'll, we'll talk to him when he gets here. It, he's being modest. We are working directly for Samuel. We're kind of a big deal. We need two circlets as soon as possible. We have no circlets. Mm. Where are they? What do you they? got in the boxes then? Supplies. <sighs> okay, well, we'll take this to Samuel himself. I mean, if you're willing to risk that, Catherby. Hey, look, she said she doesn't have any. That's fine. And uh, she said you're not going to get any. I don't believe her. You know, she's just she's just doing her job, right, Catherby? I am the quartermaster. Yeah, and uh, if we needed something else, we'd come to you, right? Yes. Great. Okay, so we'll be back. Uh, okay, the uh, something's wrong here. You're not the quartermaster. I am quartermaster Catherby. Is there anybody else here in charge? Well, we were told you were talkative. You don't seem very talkative. Am I not talking? Uh, barely. You are the life of the party, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Can I go in? I point over at the tent. For what need? Just to look around, make sure everything's okay. Everything is fine. Uh, you want me to go get Sally, Shaft? I can bring Sally over and we can talk this out. I looked at, uh, Catherby. You know Sally? No. Hmm. I don't think it's gonna pull much weight with her. She'll just, uh, have to answer to Samuel when he gets here. <sighs> and, and, you know what? If they don't have anything, doing your job. Either way, 
Uh, Kathy, who's your boss? Who do you work under? Samuel Coltis. That's it. Just the big guy. No one in the middle between you and him. No. So chatty. Okay, well, uh, Shaft, can, uh, Falzer and come over here? And I want to go, like, without, with, with, uh, outside of earshot sort of thing of Kath or B. I, I don't, I don't think that's, that can't be Something chatty seems Kathy. very wrong. I, I, What the frick is going on? I don't like Yeah, even things. if she's lying, that's not much we can do, uh. I mean, I can always sneak in. She seems nothing like what we were described. Is it possible this is someone impersonating her? Is you know? You don't think Sally would do anything? It's a tent. I can get in and look around if you want to and see if there's stuff in there. But why is she acting like that? I didn't. Something seems very unusual. I I don't like this. She seems almost mind-controlled. That scares me. I agree. Shaft, what, what, are you, what are your thoughts? How do you want to get in there? Well, I mean, I can go look around. I can... It's a tent. I mean, I can climb underneath of it. You guys keep Catherby busy and... Oh, well, that's gonna be like pulling teeth. She doesn't want to talk at all. Ask her about her family. Where she's from. It'll take, it'll take forever. I'm gonna go gray, Shaft. Well, you already are. Uh, I mean, yeah. I'm 20 years old. What? You see a? You see one? I start like touching my hairline. I think it's a. I think it's a blonde hair. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't worry about it. What if? What if there's some fiendish plot at play here? I, I don't know. I don't like this. It just something doesn't sit right with me. What do you think, Drag? She does appear to be acting strangely based on the way Grimby had described her, as, as Falzern said. Maybe she's drugged. They drugged her. Who? Who's they? I don't know. What's going on? <sighs> Have Neoki infiltrated the camp? Nia's starting, like, her mind's going wild. I, I sort of back up a little bit and go, just, just hang here for a second. I'll find out what's going on. I just sort of walk around the other side of the tent, look around. Is, there, is, every, is anybody paying it? Is there just people all over the place, or is it... That's correct, yeah. I'll walk over by the tent as people are walking by, and as soon as I see a time when nobody's really looking, I'm going to cast Passes Out of Trace and slide underneath the tent. Okay, and as I previously described, as you were walking around, like there are clearly like crates on the inside lined up along the wall of, of like the perimeter of this tent yeah on the on the inside right? yeah like close enough to be like pushing and protruding against the material of the tent itself all the way around this large tent there's no you can definitely circumnavigate the whole thing to try to find yes. an area okay absolutely uh, why don't you go ahead and give me uh give me a perception as you're walking around here and if you're trying to be nondescript you can do it with disadvantage <laughs> okay i'm just i'm walking along if i see somebody i'm waving my hand you know hey how's it going you know blending in until it's time to uh go oh there's a good spot and jump in all right disadvantage you say yeah maybe hulsa could have a good conversation with chatty kathy 21 are the rest of the, the rest of the party doing anything while shaft just goes off for who knows how long i would like to stay close in case something goes down yeah, I'm definitely not. I'm definitely not going anywhere. I say, Hulsa, Dreg, I'm not as uh, interesting as Shakara. I'm not part of your posse, but let's just sit over here and stay close. Chef, you you kind of need to go to basically the opposite side of where the opening to the tent was. So I, you, we'll call that the back of the tent. But again, and. Depending on in relation to the other buildings, it, it could be the you know you know what I mean. So yeah, you you find a, a spot that looks like like there's nothing at least immediately behind it on the inside as compared to you know again that protruding kind of corners of the crates kind of just pushing at the, at the material of the tent. Okay, I want to try to s slide in there. And just basically gonna see if I can look around. If I need to climb up on anything, I can try to get some a footing to do that. Okay, uh, you are you will need to pry up the ten spikes as it is 
pretty heavily attached to the ground, so uh, this it's a large canopy, so to, to tie it down. Which, doing so, <laughs> doing so, again, doing so in the crowded, you know, encampment may be difficult. I, I think I'll go over and I'll, I'll look at it and I'll sort of pry it a little bit and look around and go, act like I'm trying to type it, uh, you know, tap it down in there. Like I'm working on it and looking around at the tent, sort of, and then... <laughs> okay. <laughs> Roll me a self check. 16. Oh, uh, and I get, I still have Pass Without Trace, so... Uh, okay, you can get, uh, again, with your halfling size, definitely, again, coming in handy here, being able to only need to pull up one peg, or someone larger may need to pull up maybe two or three, but you can kind of slide in under, uh, you know, along the, it's just like soft dirt um, on the other inside of this tent, and kind of immediately come up with, like, crates in, in front of you. And they, they look like the largest of the crates kind of in front of you is, like, three feet high or so. There's kind of a loose stack. These ones actually do look like they're empty. Okay. Do I hear anything? Any movement? Yes. You you hear lots of movement, actually. Kind of heavier footfalls. It does sound like things are being, you know, like the creak of wood as crates are being lifted and set back down. If I can get a grip and, and try to pull myself up so I can get a view, you know, sort of holding onto the edge of one of these empty crates sort of pop my head up to see if I can see something and, and be ready to let go and drop back down if somebody was to detect me. Okay, yeah, you, you absolutely can. Give me another stealth. That would be a 30. <laughs> okay. Easily able to scamper up this kind of short stack of crates. And what you immediately see is you get a bit of a, you know, your, your, a little higher advantage here. And you can kind of see across the whole tent here. It is lit in here. Not by any torch or anything, but just by... The, the material of the tent itself does seem to be kind of porous, and it is letting in some sunlight. As Again, it is, a, it is a clear and kind of gusty day today. So you can see inside the whole extent of the tent without having to additional source of lights or being limited by your dark vision. But what you see immediately in front of you kind of stacks of crates all over the place and it looks like there's a section that's been kind of cleared out and a large hole in the ground has been dug it looks like a tunnel and there are two umber hulks picking up crates and just throwing them down into this hole in addition to two neogi that appear to be overseeing them and further near the entrance of the tent you see a a strange looking creature. It's like a gargantuan salamander with multiple legs, kind of this blue tealy skin. And it just seems to be kind of just prowling back and forth near the opening of the tents. And those two paladin members that you saw go inside are wheeling, they've wheeled those, those crate wagons that they had and over to the hole as well and are aiding the Umberhulks in dumping these supplies down into this tunnel. Okay. Is there any crates that look like they're still, that are stacked up around me that look like they still have items in them or are they emptying these crates out? Can I tell? So it does look like the kind of the position that you have come in under the tent is where maybe maybe these Neogi Umberhulk, but previously or some other paladins previously having emptied crates of supplies, whether they've used them or stored them elsewhere, this is kind of where they put the empties to store the empty crates. So immediately around you, it looks like everything is empty here and not in, not very substantial as far as, you know, weight to topple over or to hold someone who is more than 50 pounds, hold their weight, that kind of thing. Okay, I'm going to drop back down, go back to where I crawled in, uh, sort of crawl back out a little bit and then as soon as I get outside of the tent pick up that spike and go this thing is just not staying put <laughs> bang it into the ground again and look around at the people or does anybody seem like odd to me or are they all just sort of you know what I mean give me an insight you see an asmar a half elf well other than those weird uh, I don't know what Hull says <laughs> oh, that's, that's, a, that's a booming four you're able to get out of here, right? And obviously people notice you coming out and, and trying to hammer the spike in, but you haven't, it's not long 
before you've you've replaced the spike and have kind of tried to survey the people in the immediate area, before you hear the a horn sound go off, and you know a second later, uh, a, a second horn which sounds closer to you, also going off like in uh, in response, and a big plume of black smoke rising up into the air, coming from far. The, the other edge of the encampment, the edge closest to the mountains. And immediately the paladins around you, kind of they all just drop what they're doing and starts to rush towards that side of the encampment. I'm going to quickly walk back to where the others are. Sort of do, you know, one of those fast-paced walks. Like, I, like I'm semi-exercising, not running, but just on the edge of it. And sort of walk right over to them. And as I walk, I'm going to walk sort of past them as I walk by and go, uh, come on, follow me. And start heading the opposite direction of where everybody else is going. The rest of you hear the horn as well, uh, as the Shakara back on the boat. We'll be with you in a second. So Catherby is kind of, she's still standing in front of the tent, but she calls over to the group of you. You know, having to raise your voice because you are kind of you're out of your shot of normal conversation. You should attend to that warning. And then she disappears back inside of the tent. Shakara, with Grimby on the rising force, still overseeing uh, with the last of, of offloading of this boat. Uh, again, about twenty or so minutes have passed, and you see. Grimby's little buddy Greg has come back up, those names, not Greg, with his checklist, and now they've completed this double check uh, of everything. The hall is now emptied. When you two hear this series of horns and can see from very far away the, the black smoke up into the air. What is that? Aye, that'd uh, be the perimeter alarm. So we're under attack? We better respond if we can. Aye! Get back on the boat! Man it! Get to your stations! And yeah, the, the assemble, assembly of paladins kind of on the ground drop the, the last bit of the carts left to still c carry into the encampment and start piling on board. And as this process, you know, Grimby kind of immediately steps to the helm, which is at the, the you know, the stern of the ship. And, uh, oh, you're gonna love seeing this take off, Shakara. But there's this shadow uh, above you, kind of uh, this this four-winged shadow, quite large, uh, just kind of looming across the encampment, kind of spread slowly across the encampment. And, you know, kind of looking up the uh, the sun, that this, this whatever's casting it is kind of difficult to make out. It's moved in front of the sun up flying, clearly, clearly something flying. Is that Samuel's boat? Grimby... Puts a hand up, kind of squinting. Uh, I, it, uh, it might be. Maybe uh, they hear the horn too. Let's get going. And it only takes, uh, it seems the, the Grimby has whipped the crew in, into shape really efficiently. It uh, doesn't take more than uh, two minutes, right, before they're ready and, and, and you know, the, the four wings connected to the dragons in, in the bellows of the boat unfurl straight out to the side and begin to slowly flap, gaining speed, gaining lift. The the ship kind of creaks and groans as it ascends, uh, lifting off of the kind of four pylon feet that it had stands, uh, lands on. It's landing gear, I suppose you can think of it that way. And, it, you know, they start to, to gain height and that shadow begins to shrink it gets smaller right as this this whatever this comes closer and it splits becoming two winged creatures an ear splitting shrieks two of them a pair in chorus kind of pierce the air as you know you've you gain about a hundred feet of height here but these two enormous hawk-like birds kind of tuck into this dive towards the rising four slamming into the ship their massive talons splintering the outer rail of this top deck as they grip onto it like like a perch. One at the bow, which is of course is the front of the ship, the opposite end where you and Grimby are. The other kind of at mid-deck on, on port side on the, on the left. Each one of them 
has the, the, the these straps of a, of a harness that crisscross their breast, keeping this roofless carriage assembly mounted to their backs, secured during flight, so their passengers do not plummet to their deaths. Two lumbering trolls stomp onto the deck, carried by each of the birds, and a Niogi skitters across this dark red and blue plumage of these birds' wingspan before joining the trolls aboard the Rising Four. The troll at the bow. These aren't normal trolls. This one is, is bloated and, and swollen, a distended belly hanging low enough to cover its genitals, which would otherwise be exposed as, as the tatters of cloth around its waist do nothing to cover it or cover the numerous scars kind of all over its body. You know, one enormous forearm on one arm offset by a, like the opposite bloated foot, giving it kind of this loping limp as it moves. The troll at port side, also different. This one, its pale green skin sloughs off its body as it moves onto the deck, exposing taut muscle tissue and tendons across its, its upper body. This one's covered up from the waist, you know, the knee with a bit of a loincloth, a little more modest this one is. But its lips have since rotted away to expose like sharp teeth and rancid gums. And I guess uh, Shakara can roll initiative. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Thank goodness none of us have any means to be able to fly and get up to help. Whew. Uh, 22. All of this, listening to all of this is infuriating while I sit outside a tent able to do nothing and knowing none of it. Yep, <laughs> Falzern can't get up there either. <sighs> no, Falzern has no way of flying at all. <laughs> <laughs> Denny's like uh, wiggling. The real problem is that they are a 15 minute walk away. Can we, uh, can we actually, we probably can't actually see this from our vantage point, right? Well, it'd be pretty big. Can we, like, go back in time, say I gave an eerie token to Hulsa before we <laughs> split up? <laughs> uh, so the rest of the party, you are on your way, Shaft, you've, you've, you've kind of grabbed them to take them back to the Rising Four. You said just said you were moving in the opposite direction of everyone else. I just want them to follow me to get away from uh, Catherby. And as we're walking, I just want to say... Uh, uh, yeah, the Neogi's in there. Uh, we got some problems. Wait, what? Uh, what, you, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're dumping Let's all the stuff em. into the hole. I don't think we can go in there. There's a couple of those big Umberhawk things and some other big ass thing. But there's paladins all around us. We could fight. It, the, the horn's going off. I think that means something. I don't... And, and look, the, the Rising Four is up in the air now. I just continue to run with them even though I'm like, ah, okay. So I, I keep heading towards where the Rising Four used to be and go, uh, we got bigger problems here. I mean, hell, those things are taking all the all the, all the the goods, and who knows how many of these paladins are already under mind control. What? They were taking things? Yeah, they're, there's a big freaking hole in the middle of the tent, and they're dumping all the stuff into it. Uh, that's where we don't have any uh, circlets, right? They're getting rid We've of all of them. We've got tunnels all the way out here. This is crazy. Oh, what a disaster. I, who knows how many of, of the troops around here could be mind-controlled by the Neogi. That's what I'm saying. I mean, you could you could fireball the tent and, and, you know, the cat's out of the bag to say, but, you know, how do we know that they're not all just going to attack us? This this is crazy, and I just keep running. I think the first thing we got to do is, is get away from everybody, decide what we need to do, and where the hell is Shakar going? <laughs> yes, and as Shaft points... You know, it's kind of word vomiting. Points up to the rising for you. Again, you all can see it take off from here in this clear day. It's a very, very large airborne vehicle. And you can see these figures, these rocks is what they are, these giant birds. And they are like gargantuan size. They are incredibly large, especially to be able to carry a huge sized troll, right? You see these, these, these things just slam into the rising the rising kind of rocks in the air right and the wings kind of auto correcting itself you know shakara you you grimby has a hold of the wheel as he rocks with it 
you, you know, you can keep your footing. Uh, some of the paladins don't fare as well, but many of them stay upright. Top of the order is Shakara. Grimby, take us back down! And I will run towards the troll that's on the port side. And as I'm going towards it, I will cast Death Ward upon myself. Grimby is next. I, you, we ain't going down. You, grabs, it happens to be Greg, closer to him, grabs him, puts him to the wheel, pulls off his axe, and charges with you, Shakara. And he will dash, charging, like barking out orders. I, get on the ballista. Power up the weapon. Uh, and the paladins do, they, they, they scramble, you know, again, Greg kind of grabs a hold of the wheel, keeping, keeping the ship, Keeps keeping the ship stationary. It does look like there there's a bit of a cluster of, of you know, three paladins along these ballistae. I mean, I believe we have worked ballistae before in this campaign on some on the Rising Two, where it takes a number of people to properly efficiently man it, to load, to aim, and to fire. So they are kind of working in three man teams, which is is as efficient as they're going to get. And that does mean that they will get some bolts fires off. There are two ballistae at the uh, bow, two mid-deck, and two at the stern. So there's a total of six. The four from mid-deck to the rear, we're going to target this first rock here. As they're still clutching the boat and, and like beating their wings with it in their, in their talons, trying to shake it and rock it and unsteady everybody on board. I was really hoping to stand at the bow of the ship and throw my arms out oh, and go, like I'm a queen of the world! Titanic moment. Leland robbed you of that. <laughs> you might be able to do it as the ship goes down. <laughs> like the Titanic. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so two, uh, the, the two ballistae at the stern hit the target of the rock, kind of sh almost shaking it loose of it, on its perch. Uh, the, the two mid-deck, though, the one, uh, I suppose the, the, the presence of the, this troll, so this, the, the one with the skin kind of sloughing of it, you see that when you're, now you're closer to Shakara and Grimby, it, it, it's like giving off this kind of energy that's kind of radiating out, out from it. It seems to affect everything within its vicinity. Two of the, what did I call that? Two at the bow hitting targets, and they're the rest of the paladins here, they're kind of scattered around the deck as this Rising Four has a crew on a good day of about 40, so there's a number of paladins here to help. And they all just draw the weapons, and the, anybody who isn't manning an apparatus, charge. The five around the weapon starts to manipulate the, the buttons and the levers on the chests of the tin so soldiers and the those tubes in the the diamond in their forehead glow brighter and like that, that, that kind of mundane glow just gets brighter and brighter and brighter as it's clearly charging and, and that glow starts to kind of filter into the obelisk starting at its base and it's slowly rising up this entire structure the troll at the bow the bloaty troll he stumbles towards, again, that, that limpy lope. Doesn't seem to slow him down, but he charges the first ballistae. And he just takes one of his, his fingernails, long, nasty fingernails, and just scrapes himself across his belly. Why? It releases a spray. It's like this poison cloud in this cube around him, affecting... Four of these paladins, this whole uh, one of the uh, an entire ballista team, Oof. and th th these paladins just double over, coughing at these these fumes. That's so gross. Yeah, it is. The rock that took the brunt of the ballista kind of releases, flapping up off into the air, and just surges with one heavy beat of its wings, surges forward, scraping across deck tearing into one of these paladins, just pulling him off, letting him drop. The second rock clambers onto the deck next to the Niogi, kind of stepping over the Niogi, 
tearing into the paladins on the second ballista there. The rotting troll. Moving to the first target. Again, just lashing out with with these these elongated nails and fingers. And you, you can see the as he's swiping and making contact with these paladins, like the the energy, the area around him, like uh, that aura just draining the paladins in addition to the physical strikes. Uh, last but not least, the Neogi. You see the 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 rock of the bow has a grip on one of the paladins, and, and the Neogi just scampers up with its spider climb up over the top of of the rock to get to this paladin with its little petty pelves that claws and snatches at this paladin's circlet attempting to remove it Ooh, with the aid of uh the rock is just barely able to pry it off of this paladin as the nyogi just tosses it over the edge second nyogi it's kind of retreating a little bit to the front of the boat and he will try to do just Eldritch Blast, one of uh, the same paladin that this rock troll had torn into. Oof, two beams. In addition to that sapping effect, this paladin goes down. To the top of Shakara. Kill the bugs! And I will run up next to Grimby, and I will shoot off my circlet of blasting at the Neogi closest to me. Thirteen. That's miss. Thirteen again. And a 12. <laughs> okay, unfortunately, the rocking of the ship, maybe you, you don't have your air legs yet. <laughs> uh, Grimby will, will, yeah, heed your advice and, and charge. Well, he, can, he can't quite get to the Nyogi, so he'll make it to the, the troll. But he will rage as his bonus action. With his... his, his Storm Barbarian Heritage causes anybody in the vicinity when he rages to have to uh, make a dexterity saving throw. As you know, he, he grunts into the air as he's holding his axe and just sparks kind of emit from his body, singeing into this rock troll. And he can't take a swing. He'll take two swings. Two big hits into it, and just more flesh just falls off of this troll. And Shikara, you can, you can see, you know, kind of a... Grimby's he's hitting, he's doing his damage. This this piece of flesh on its shoulder, which looks like it has that tattoo, just part of what kind of falls off of its body under Grimby's hits. Paladins again. Belissi that are still operational, still firing. Now the the mid-deck uh, trying to target the ones that are uh, attacking the ballistic crew on the bow. One of which will try to uh, target the Niyogi, like you, like you suggested. Oh, 17 to hit, 14 damage to that Niyogi. The other one able, uh, landing two into that rock for another 27 damage. Those birds look unfazed, though. Bloated Troll. Bloated Troll dispatching uh, one-third of this Ballistic crew. And the, the rocks on the deck still just clawing out at those paladins. Scraping its beak, pecking down into one's abdomen as he falls to the floor. The second one that was airborne comes swooping down, landing right in front of you, Shakara. Rude. Hits the deck again, shaking the boat. And it takes a lot to move a ship this size, even in the air. Starts tearing into this ballistic crew right in front of it, which you were on the other side of. Rotting Troll, toe-to-toe -to -toe with Grimby now. One bite, two claws, all of which are going to hit. I mean, Grimby's going to resist a lot of the damage, but it does look like it's dealing necrotic, which his rage does not take care of. 30 necrotic damage, but only 11 piercing because of his raging reduction. Go, Grimby. Okay, Niyogi. Raging reduction just sounded like something really fancy in Italian. It's like drizzled. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what Grim that's Grimby's refined. Palette. Raging reduction. <laughs> okay, Niyogi now having having pried off that circlet will attempt to mind control this paladin. Ooh, just barely successful. <sighs> Second Niyogi still reigning. It's gonna, uh, yeah, still raining Eldritch Blast into 
the stray paladins across the deck rushing to meet these trolls. One more hit. Down on the ground, the party, you can see the flashes of, of magic and, and the, the swooping rock uh, in the, the first few seconds of this combat. And, and Halsa kind of like grabs, is like holding tight onto Dreg's arm. Obviously not saying anything, but like seeming like very f fearful, obviously. And, and Dreg kind of pats, I know, I know, Shakar's up there. Listen, give me your hand, help me. And Dreg pulls out from around his neck a, a, a sapphire, it's not a pendant, but it's like a, a sapphire figure, uh, you know, on a chain around his neck. And you all, I think this is probably the first time you've all seen this, I'm not sure, but it looks like, uh, like a security anchor, like before it was retrofitted. It's kind of like this sapphire small version of it. Halsa pulls out one of her own. It's a, a group of, of three figures embracing, also made of sapphire. And as they're they're both holding it and they're they're grasping each other, both of these these items they, they start to to glow, give off this this blue radiance that again brightens until you can barely look at it. And Drag kind of yells out in, in exertion, and suddenly the group of you are teleported to the deck of the Rising Four. Ooh. That that's, teleport only works on willing creatures, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> that is that is true. <laughs> if you don't want to go, you say now. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Balzern will come along. And as you all materialize here on the deck, taking in this scene, Dreg immediately like falls to the ground unconscious so let's roll you guys into initiative here Mia rolled a 7 11 for Falzerin wow Falzy look at you one of the best initiative <laughs> rolls I've had in a long yeah. time yeah. good job 6 for Shaft ah uh, we're in the back end what's the back end of the boat again stern the starboard I don't know <laughs> that's the right side the starboard is right I don't know ship. <laughs> ah, you don't know ship. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the top with Shakara. I'm going to run diagonally across the ship to get away from the rock and give myself a clear target to the Neogi to continue my assault upon it. Uh, okay, so, sorry, the, the rock threatens a 20 by 20 foot space. Fudge! Yeah. Frickin okay, well, I won't do that then. Yeah, it's gargantuan. It's 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 large. So if I run it, it will get an opportunity attack. Uh, well, again, unless you... I mean, if you're running around the outside of that 20 by 20 square, right? Like, technically, if you're not moving outside of its threat range, it won't, right? That's within... It's hard to tell where the 20 is. Wonky, wonky. But yeah, yeah, that's... that's you're, you're still within it, so... You're not quite passing through its square, but you're you're kind of skirting its reach with its talons and its beak. From here, can I see the Neogi though, or is the troll in the way? Uh, yeah, you can see the Neogi. Okay, I wanted to cast Scorching Ray and try again to hit it. This is the uh, you're casting the spell. Spell. Okay, the Neogi will counter spell. Fudge. It's only a second level spell, so I assume it just works. Yes, it does automatically work. Yeah. So I'll run over there, and I'll try and cast Scorching Ray, which will fizzle out, and I am now frustrated. <laughs> so sorry. Frustrated is a condition that lasts blah, 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 blah. Until my next turn. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Grimby, uh, still swinging away at the troll, still raging. Ooh, yikes. Those are actually both going to miss. A 10 and an 11. Ah, oh, Grimby, come on. Paladin. So, uh, a 6 Paladin now runs up to this weapon, completely glowing. Now, this whole obelisk, and I guess the, the newcomers who haven't quite seen the process, but you see the obelisk glowing completely with this rainbow, like, like light, different co the colors of light kind of shifting inside of it, right? As if it was, like, filled with liquid, but, like, it's it's clearly not. And 
now that it, it's powered, it looks like the six paladin is manipulating it like Grimby had kind of shown you, but he seems to be doing it with like moving it with way more ease and being able to direct this weapon. As he points it directly right at this rock, you know, it's holding it and like yelling out to everybody, hit it, hit it. And you see in, in unison, all five of them kind of pull on the, the livers on the chest of, of this thing. And that the rainbow light, like from the bottom of the obelisk kind of shoots up and to the tip of it, emptying basically. And this beam just lances out into the rock and does 25d10. Wow. So could each of you roll me five and I'll roll the other five to see the damage on this thing. 28. What I got? I rolled 38. Dang. 33. Dang. I suck. 23. Oh, falls are in. Always the loser for me. <laughs> I got 24. This anchor uh, weapon deals a total of 146 force Ooh. damage to this rock. And it, it blasts a hole in its wing. And it it, it, it put physically pushes this thing back against the railing of, of the ship. And it lets out a, a screech as it is still standing. Even after that hit. Man. More ballistae, though, rain into uh, both of these birds. Not enough to finish off this severely wounded one. But very close. Halsa is next. Halsa is going to charge down the deck towards Shakara. Uh, she, she briefly kind of... Stoops to to dragon kind of you know puts a hand up to like his nose and can feel his breath, and as you can all see like the, the his chest moving up and down right, and he's like, almost like almost like it was instantaneous with the teleport. He's like drenched in sweat. She sees that he's okay for now and moves down the deck towards Shakara. From Hulsa's position, she can't quite see the Neogi, uh, and she knows to target them, but she will uh, try to Elders blast the rock here. Ooh, a critical hit for Halsa, dealing uh, 31 force to it. The rock clearly, that wing cannot be used now. It's like a, a dead limb as it's draped on the deck at its side. The other one flapping as it's like instinctually, instinctively trying to like take off, but it can't go anywhere. It's it's on its deathbed. Venom Troll at, uh, at, at the bow, you, you all can see the newcomers, as it does recharge, does recharge its venom spray. It claws into itself again, emitting that cube of, of poison spray as the last of the paladins around it succumb to it. Falzern. So basically what I can see is, is this massive rock. And that's about it, it looks like from my perspective. And then way, way, way at the other end would be the other rock, right? And and the venom troll. Yeah, you can definitely see the venom troll, and you, and you've you've saw it claw into itself in that puff of poison exude. I'm gonna cast gravity sinkhole, and I'm gonna cast it just to the right of that venom troll that I just saw take out all those paladins. So over the edge of the boat, actually. So a bit up into the right of that venom troll. I'm hoping to pull it up into the air and maybe right over the edge if I'm lucky. Uh, it won't need to make a con saving throw. Uh, its con is very good though. It gets a 24. Dang. Okay. So it's not pulled. So it will take a half of 24 force damage. Bummer. Uh, Falzern's going to stay um, where he is. I think he feels safe with his companions here. He's the scene in front of him is kind of terrifying. Okay. Uh, the rocks. Grimby's got to get his rocks off the ship. That's true. Grimby's going to get his <laughs> rocks off. That's exactly what we thought would happen in this episode. So Yeah, we thought we knew that was going to happen. We just didn't know it was going to be like this. <laughs> Even as wounded as this giant bird is, still it brings its huge head down onto the top of one of these paladins, just flattening them, stomping another with its talon. The 
relatively unhurt rock at the bow, uh, doing the same to this crew. Leland, would uh, would any of us be familiar with these creatures as far as to know, like, is this normal behavior for them, or would we suspect that they might be mind-controlled, the, the rocks particularly? Uh, Shaft would certainly know that they uh, are, like, they're native to, like, mountainous terrain, and Vorgrag is a very large mountain range, sure to have rocks, but, I mean, rocks prey on any number of sized creature uh should you you know it spy you from circling above like a normal normal hawk or, or bird of prey would but i mean clearly especially the one that is severely wounded it's not trying to be to retreat it's not you know what you know what i mean mm-hmm. i think it's safe to say that these rocks are under some control of of the neogi especially like you all to see like the harness and, and the the seats on it on the back of it like it's they're saddled from <laughs> right which would be, you know, a rock typically wouldn't allow that, I, it sounds like. That's right. Rot troll. It turns towards Grimby, and then it kind of pauses briefly and turns away, moving past him, past the rock, straight towards the anchor, and starts battering the paladins that are manning the weapon. Did it get close enough past me to get an opportunity check? So it takes up a 10 by 10, so you're engaged with it right now. Oh. Good. (laughs) It's what I wanted. (laughs) Joke's on him. (laughs) 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 Which, uh, unfortunately, though, means that every creature within five feet of it at the end of its turn takes 15 necrotic damage as that, that... aura it's emitting kind of it's a it's like a you can physically see the energy emanating off of this thing maybe it works a little little different than than the way shikara's aura kind of you would perceive it i suppose but like it, it is just giving off this necrotic energy uh so that would include so shikara and two paladins which that sapping draining energy finishes off the paladin that it had pounced upon at the weapon so it's like pig pen <laughs> yeah, he's got a little Penis. flies buzzing all around him. He's just disgusting. Uh, Mia. How is this closest rock looking again? You said pretty bad. It's can't. It, it's one wing is completely crippled. Uh, it's barely on its talons, taking all of its effort to, to put its energy into attacking the paladin surrounding it. I can't see Miyogi. Boom. Okay. Mia's going to cast... Uh call lightning and I'm going to cast it at fourth level and I'm going to channel it you don't have to worry about ceiling height in here (laughs) right for once I'm going to use the channel that's in my amulet so that's gone so that is uh, creatures within five feet of where I choose I choose a point and creatures within five feet of that point must make a dex saving throw or in this case, if they fail, they take the full 4D damage. Otherwise, it's half. Okay, so I'm going to say, uh, due to its size, uh, unless you put it... I was going to put it a, right here. In, right, but unless you rock. put it in a, in a square that is directly adjacent to its 20 by 20 foot threat range, you'll only hit the rock because of its size. Well, I was going to put it between the rock and the rock troll. Right, but what I'm saying is the bird is so huge. He would like cover it's not, it? it? Well, the point of impact would not be five feet from the troll due to the bird's size is what I mean. But if you hit the ground in front of it, outside of its, the, the space what that it What about the occupies, point right in front of them? Yep, you can do that, and you would also affect that paladin there as well. Okay, so one paladin, say la vie, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> I'm just... <laughs> Slinging lightning, doing the best I can. Thor will understand. Well, the rock gets a 13. The troll gets a 4. And the paladin gets a 9. Oh, my DC is 17. So, they all take 40 lightning damage. Okay, well, that's, uh, unfortunately, that paladin is toast from your lightning. Quite literally. 
He just fries inside of his metal armor and just smoke emitting from underneath his helmet as he collapses to the deck. But the rock, too, screeches back singed feathers. And you can kind of see, like, uh, 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 next to the harness, instead of, uh, like, there's no skin, obviously, it's feathers. But it looks like a crude symbol has been painted onto the plumage, this white section of this, this bird. And it just plummets over the side of the deck, dead. Ha ha! Rot troll still going, though. Shaft. Okay, so I see this bird sort of fall over, and from my vantage point, I don't really see Shakara. I think she's behind the anchor. I think I, we just appear here, uh, you know, not really expecting to go up on this boat. <laughs> so I sort of, you know, get, take all this in real quick, and then I see that rock fall off the end. I'm going to move about 25 feet over to the or 20 feet over to the top of the steps coming down from the aft of the ship that leads down to the main deck I'm going to stay up at the top and pull out my bow looking at this rot troll and try to pump a couple arrows into this thing before I go down to the main deck take care of it from a distance uh, first shot 15 to hit that's a miss ah, 25 to hit that's a good one yeah now, is he take, he's taking damage already, yes, right? Yes, it has. Okay, so that'll be a total of 12 piercing damage. Braun is next. Uh, Braun, too, kind of moves over to Dreg, doing his own check to make sure he's okay. And uh, he's not entirely shy of the combat. Feeling good after that breakfast, he's going to get in there. Not in there, in there, <laughs> but... <laughs> Move down onto the deck and will cast his own Sacred Flame against the Rot Troll. 22 to hit. Dealing 15 Radiant Damage. Neogi at the bottom of the order. <laughs> it doesn't need to do that. Ah, it doesn't need yeah, to. he probably shouldn't do that. Nah, yeah, I don't like that nah, laugh. I don't do like that. it. There's <laughs> no need for him to do that. Actually, he may as well. Makes sense that he'd yeah, wait one more round to. <laughs> to do that. <laughs> the yogi that had mind controlled the paladin scampers over to the venom troll, grabbing a hold of it to dimension door it. I'm 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 sorry, what? Straight across to the stern of the boat. No, no, I don't think he did that. <laughs> the last Niyogi. The very last one? Like, that's it? These two are gone wow. and there's no that more Niyogi? This is going to be the end of the campaign right here. <laughs> much longer and more drawn out issue for us to solve. I mean, they ain't dead. Fight ain't over. This is Niyogi that counterspelled Shakara, so it's got one slot left. We'll use it to cast Hunger of Hadar as this 20 foot radius sphere uh, of black and cold kind of appears basically right on top of Shakara and three of the paladins just shy of the rot troll as you're enveloped by it Shakara just this this chorus and cacophony of whispers kind of echo around you uh, so no light in here magical or otherwise can illuminate the area creatures fully within the area are blinded now I assume, though I think your devil sight, you can still see. I don't. I'm not entirely sure, but I will. You'll be. Able, I'll let you use your devil sight in here. The paladins, though, of course, are completely blind in this void. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is difficult terrain in here. Some of the the paladins in here with you, the they kind of succumb to to the the, the mental effects of the, of the whispers around them, and they kind of add their their screams and cries in this void to the whispers surrounding you. Wow, can you believe what just happened? Oh my gosh, the, uh, things are just getting crazy. You can visit us at incorrigibleparty.com for additional world NPC information to get all your Incorrigible Party merchandise. Join us on our Discord, linked on our website, 
Recently, the Incorrigible Party has started streaming on Twitch. Do you want to watch video games, board games, interact with us, catch us on live after-party recordings, follow us on Twitch, at Incorrigible Party. If for some reason, probably because you're incorrigible, like us, you can't get enough of our content, please support us on Patreon. Our Patreon gives you early releases to episodes, extra inspiration to give your favorite hero, Mia, wink wink, or the DM, I suppose, Patreon-exclusive content includes Patreon-exclusive mini-campaigns. This podcast is sponsored by Critical Hit Design at criticalhitdesign.com. Thanks to Tabletop Audio for allowing us to use any ambient sounds or music during our show. And our intro and outro is by Josh Jarvis. Contact him at jamesmercymusic at gmail.com for any inquiries. Happy adventuring!